This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 113 for Thursday, October 27th, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II's Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347 347- Three two four three five four one. All right, I have some serious shit I want to talk about. I've had a, a miserable week, and I am not I'm not a happy camper. So I'm letting you guys know in advance that there will be a lot of rage in this particular episode. Not only because of what's going on with the show and what's been going on off air. But just a culmination of a ton of shit that's just popped up over the course of the week. And, um, you know, it, it needs to be shared with the listeners and the fans. And so some stuff has to just be addressed. So I'm going to let you guys know about some of that stuff. That's going to be the quote-unquote monologue for this week. You can classify it as a bitch session if you if you wish. But it, it some stuff needs to be addressed. But before we we get into that, let's get this housekeeping out of the way first. Uh, the forums, still active. I haven't killed them yet. Um, I've been gauging how it's going to go. Uh, little activity here and there. I, I myself am, gu- am guilty of not being able to get in there as often as I'd like, primarily because of work and because the access is blocked. But the forums will be around until January. Once January comes, if things don't improve, I will be doing away with the forums. It's as easy as that. That's the deal with the forums, period. There's not going to be any purging of, of members or anything. I'm just going to leave it as is. Um, hopefully, we'll be adding more content in there. We'll try and get some more activity going. If not, we will uh, kill it in January. Our Facebook fan page, I'm pleased to announce we've broken 1,600 fans. I believe right before we went on air, we were at 1,619. I think we were at 1,620. Maybe one person decided that we weren't cool enough for them to follow, so 1619 is the number. The Brawling for Boobies community event is still going on. The page will be open until November 1st, at which point we will, of course, stop the page because Breast Cancer Awareness Month will be over. I'd like to thank our partners at Unveil, our buddies at Middle Easy, MMA Valor for stepping up, helping us where they could, MMA Valor with the logo, spreading the word, Middle Easy assisting us with the MMA portion of the game night. Unveil for not only getting the word out, helping to spread the word. They also had Noel Brown play last night uh, with some of the guys. They were playing Marvel vs. Capcom 3. It was a it was a very, very enjoyable experience. I expected a better turnout. 
um, for a lot of the stuff, which is something I'm going to discuss later on. But for the people that were there, we had a good time. I definitely got to throw shout-outs to Bronx, Bob, Andrew, uh, Juan, v- Juan Villanova, uh, Single Juani. He gets, he's got to get a shout-out only because these guys were in there doing their thing. Um, they showed up. They played. Noel Brown, of course, one of the top-ranked Street Fighter players in the country. The guy, the guy is well-deserved of all the kudos that he receives. He put on a, a serious clinic, but it was all in good fun. We had a lot of good laughs, so I want to thank the guys that came in for that. Tomorrow evening, we're going to be playing for from 9 to midnight. We have Super Street Fighter 4, Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition, and also Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. Game time is going to be 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We are going to play until midnight. We're probably going to split it up probably from 9 to 10.30 with uh, Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition. Then from 10.30 to midnight with Super with Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. Hopefully that's the way it's going to go. If people decide to play later than that, that's cool too. But I'm gonna, I plan on running the rooms till midnight. Um, I do ask that if you are going to participate, that was a chomp of sentences there. If you plan on participating, make sure you donate first. That's the only thing we ask. Minimum donation is five bucks and it's all going to a good cause. It's going to Coleman for the cure. All the information is on mytakeradio.com. You can go there. You'll be able to get all the info. You'll see what games are being played. The link for donations are there. And we've done pretty good. We're at about $325, and we've I got some donations from some friends today, so we're going to upload those this evening. So probably I'd say we'd be at $345, $350. Our goal is $1,000, and I really would like to hit that goal, and that's something I'll discuss in the, in the monologue as well, only because I want to go through the housekeeping first. Um, other than that, We've got a lot of great content that's been going up. Slick has put up a lot of great stuff. I went ham this week putting a lot of articles up. I also put up reviews for the HTC Wildfire S. That is our first review for a mobile mobile device courtesy of our friends at HTC. So I got to thank those guys for that. Um, The phone is very solid. I recommend you guys check out the review if you want to pick up a phone for a a significant other or a parent because that phone is definitely suited for that good quality phone i even did some video for it i started a man up and do some video so we're going to start getting more video content on my take radio tv starting to get a little bit more comfortable in front of the camera you may even see the return of the minority film report which was exclusive for app subscribers that may be coming to our youtube channel depending on how i'm going to do it um also, we want to start doing some live streaming with some games. Everybody and their mothers doing live streaming, and uh, you know, I never understood the validity of it, but I think that with the proper commentary track, courtesy of us here at MTR, I think it'll be far, far more enjoyable. I'm sure that Andrew and my nephew, um, I'll see if I can pick up maybe a Call of Duty or another game, and we can try and capture that audio and just have a blast with that. I think people will get a kick out of it, only because I'm not a big first-person shooter, but I'll have a couple of laughs and get shot up a few times for your enjoyment. So we will be doing live streaming soon once I'm able to pick up a an HD PVR. And at some point, I'm sure, um, you know, Slick will probably Slick and I will share the HD PVR. We'll find a way to make it work. Maybe Slick will do some streaming, too. So be on the lookout for that and some more My Take Radio TV content in the coming weeks. 
Speaking of the on the content front, you know we've been battling back and forth with some issues with Libsyn. Finally got that squared away. It seemed that the episodes that we were uploading were were also being transcoded to other formats. Something that we really don't fucking need because we put the shows up in MP3. So now that we got that resolved, you um you can be on the lookout for for that stuff also. We are already currently up to speed episode 112 is up also two of the my take radio beyond the mic episodes are up one with misty dawn from the naughty nerd and also an interview with alana evans from pwnedbygirls.com two very talented ladies that run two very different sites um they are involved in the adult industry which is whatever you know make of that what you will we don't fucking judge anybody here They've been incredibly supportive of MTR, especially with what we're doing. And in addition to that, they've they just gave us really great on uh, really great and honest interviews from both of them. So definitely check them out. Check out their respective sites. Both ladies do live streaming of certain games, whether it's I believe Pwned by Girls did Dance Central this past week and Rise of Nightmares and the Naughty Nerd I think was streaming Arkham City. But you can get all the information. At their, we- at their websites as well, and you can see what the deal is with that. We're also going to be doing probably one or two episodes of Beyond or Behind the Mic in addition to My Take Radio, hopefully on a weekly basis, to give App and Stitcher subscribers something extra to look forward to, and we're lining up a couple of guests for that. Uh, right now, we are looking at some video bloggers. I have a, a ring a ring girl and writer for Tap Out from Pro Elite who may be doing the live show with us next week. Once all that stuff is pinned down, I'll make sure to keep you guys posted. Our Get Glue check-ins, I believe we've crossed or are about to cross 100 check-ins. I've pretty much stopped harassing Get Glue about the stickers. They'll get to it when they get to it. Simple as that. If you want an MTR t-shirt, you can head over to our t-shirt store by clicking the tab on mytakeradio.com. I price the shirts affordable enough that it's not going to rip off anybody's arm, but you know there are some cheap motherfuckers out there. So if you want one, that's where you go to get it. Our Amazon store, everything that we are reviewing, discussing, covering is available in our Amazon store. Definitely, if you want to pick something up, go through our Amazon store. You can help us out. With that, everything is handled by Amazon. We don't touch anything. The checkout and the and the shipping and the products are straight from Amazon. It's just a store that we put up in in terms of being an affiliate. So it's as easy as doing that. You go through there, buy whatever you need. Helps out MTR. Simple as that. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. That that's all. Oh, of course. How can I forget this? And I pretty much am not reading this every week like I should. My Take Radio, of course, you can be heard on Stitcher.com and also via the Stitcher app, which if you go to Stitcher.com slash MyTake and enter the MyTake promo code, you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of our friends at Stitcher. Stitcher is an app that is available on Android, iOS, BlackBerry, and even WebOS devices allowing you to stream episodes of MTR without needing to put MP3s on your devices. Simple as that. Saves you a headache if you don't want to sync with iTunes. All the stuff is there on the fly, and Stitcher subscribers are eligible to receive the bonus content that we put on the MTR app, just as a show of good faith to, to Stitcher subscribers. 
they'll get access to that stuff as well. The MTR app is available for Android and iOS devices. It'll run you $1.99. You can go either to Amazon or the Android Marketplace for your Android device or to iTunes for your iPhone, iPad, or iPhone 4 or iPhone 4S or whatever iPhone you're fucking playing with at this point because there's so many of them. You can pick it up for $1.99, cheaper than a cup of coffee. Recommend you do that if you want to get access to all the bonus stuff that we're doing and you don't want to use Stitcher, that's another option as well. All right. Now that we got all that out of the way, I I want to talk about just brands, our listeners, and, and a couple of other things that have really gotten under my fucking skin this week. Besides all the shit that I got going on with off-air, as, as I said earlier in the broadcast, we've been doing the Brawling for Boobies event since the 24th, since Monday, and um, pretty much it was one game per evening. Easy enough, you donate five bucks if you want to play, if you don't want to play, you can still donate, easy as that, and our goal was $1,000. We have, at the time of broadcast, 1,600 fans. If 1,600 fans would have donated $5, we probably would have gotten $8,000 in donations. That's some food for thought. That did not happen. On the contrary, we haven't even touched $400 yet. Now, let's be realistic. Had had our had our quote-unquote fans donated a dollar each, we would have surpassed the $1,000 cap that we set for, for the event. But did we get that? No. We didn't even get that. We got, oh, I have no money, which is fine. I'm not going to hate on anybody. The economy sucks. If you got no dough, you got no dough easy as that but the assholes the pieces of shit and you fuckers know who you are that had the audacity to tell me that oh i don't have the game i can't donate yes the fuck you can you cheap fucks the same pieces of shit that told me that they can't donate because they have no money and they're playing fucking battlefield on tuesday you are pieces of shit I'm not doing this event for me. I'm not doing this event for MTR. I'm doing this event because it's something personal and I wanted to actually give something back. That's all it was. I wanted to give something back and by eliminating any doubt that the money would be misused, it goes straight to the charity organization. If you don't have fucking five bucks, something's seriously wrong with you. You're either super poor or you don't have a credit card or a debit card, and certain people that don't, that were like, hey man, you know, I don't have a credit card or a debit card, you know who you are, your intentions are there, and we settled up accordingly. And those guys fucking stood up. They stood up regardless of the fact, regardless of them not being able to get me the money via a credit card, we made arrangements, and it got handled. But these other assholes that, you know, are quote-unquote down with the cause... The same fucking people that, if I don't upload the show fast enough, are quick to send me an email or send me a tweet. Hey, dude, where's the show? Where the fuck are the five bucks we wanted? Where are they? Where are the five bucks that were going to charity? You fucking nut-hugging pieces of shit. Where are they? Oh, yeah. Guess what? They're not there. But, you know, they're available for you to buy Battlefield. They're available for you to buy Arkham City on fucking Monday. 
but you know you can't play mortal kombat for an hour because you know oh i'm in this arkham city yo these are these are the litany of excuses i got from my quote-unquote listeners and my quote-unquote fans and again i'm not trying to say this to guilt anybody but i'm trying to call out the people that gave me the biggest excuses known to man it's embarrassing and it, and, it, and it disgusts me because you know what i stop what i do i put myself on the line to give you guys three hours of enjoyable shit whether you like it or you don't like it i'm here for you guys every fucking week and you pieces of shit and you know who the fuck you are can't be there for us for a good cause for fucking charity don't ask me for shit the websites that send us shit hey can you do this for us and retweet this and and fucking do this and approve this you guys can suck a fat dick don't tweet me don't dm me don't fucking email me don't ask me for shit don't ask me to retweet your bullshit ass article about whether you should be playing kirby's fucking dreamland fuck you i don't want to hear it i tell these same assholes that run these sites yo can you retweet this to your listeners or to your or to your followers or whatever just to get some shit out there and they can't even do that you can't hit retweet for a good cause you fucking jizz bags you come swallowing pieces of shit fuck you i ain't doing shit if you don't want to listen to the show if you don't want to follow the show i don't give a fuck because this was personal to me i found out who was i found out who was down for the show i did guys like slick guys like bob bronx i could i could go down a list of people that have a ton of shit going on and still donated money my nephew's friend andrew andrew is a is, is a high school student nigga don't even got a credit card he's like yo i'll find a way to get you five bucks he is a high school student without a fucking job you pieces of shit should be ashamed of yourselves you should and then you have the gall. Hey, can you approve this for me? Eat a dick. I'm not approving shit for anybody. N4G, my ass. Retweet this, my ass. Fuck you. That's it. 1,600 fans, you could have fucking fooled me. Because I don't hear it from half of y'all. And again, you don't want to listen? Fuck it. You get offended? Turn the shit off. This is ridiculous. I am embarrassed and I am offended. Especially those of you that I know personally. That y'all couldn't step up for a good cause. But I gotta do shit for y'all. Same shit goes for the assholes that ask me about all kinds of shit that they need help with. I ain't helping no goddamn body. Fuck you. Don't ask us for shit. My take radio is exactly that. Mine. That's how it's gonna work. Don't ask me for shit. Don't ask Slick for shit. Do, definitely don't ask Andrea for shit. Because they're all going to tell you the same thing. Where the fuck were y'all when we needed you? For a good cause. And then you get the, the other assholes. Hey, are you still going to do something next month with Black Ops or Call of Duty? You know what? I ain't doing shit. For what? So I can get teams of motherfuckers that can't get together fucking $10 to go to the Wounded Warrior Project? Because, yeah, I wanted to do that. I did. You want to know why? Because it's something for our armed forces who've sacrificed for us. But you motherfuckers can't even donate for something that can potentially affect every female person you know. Your mothers, your sisters, your aunts, nothing. 
Nobody thinks of that. No, you got to think about, oh, they brought the McRib back. Let me go get myself a McRib. I'm going to go get a Frappuccino this morning. I hope you choke on your McRib, and I hope your Frappuccino tastes like shit. You cheap motherfuckers. That's it. It's easy as that. And if I wake up tomorrow, and I have a 100 fans, at least it's a 100 fans that give a shit. If I wake up, and I have a 100 followers on Twitter, maybe it's a 100 real motherfuckers that care about what we do here. My Take Radio is not something that takes us 10 minutes to put together. We do notes, we do prep, we do all the shit for the site, and I hate the sanctimonious assholes that tell you, oh, don't get into this shit expecting something. Fuck you. I expect something. I don't give a shit. I don't want free shit. I really don't. If I get it, great. Otherwise, I don't give a shit. I don't want any company to give us nothing for free and then expect us to tell you that your game is great. Because if your game's a piece of shit, we're going to tell you, and I'd rather just pay the money for it. We do this because we give a damn, we like giving you guys content, we like delivering a unique brand of stuff. That's all we like to do. And there's a lot of work that goes out behind the scenes to bring you this stuff. And all we ask is something so simple. Hey man, throw five bucks in for for charity. You didn't even have to play. Half of you motherfuckers don't have the game, that's fine. But you got five bucks, you could buy that Starbucks, you could get that McRib... You could get bacon mayonnaise. You know who you are. You can do shit like that. But for a good cause, you ain't got five bucks. Fuck you. That's how easy that is. That's, I I can't even put it into words how embarrassed I am that we couldn't put together a thousand dollars, a thousand with 1,600 fans on Facebook and and nearly a thousand fans on Twitter. We get a thousand downloads a month of MTR. A thousand downloads. That means a thousand people tune in to give a fuck about what we say. And you and you guys can't can't do that for us? We don't ask for shit. We don't. I don't I don't strong arm you guys to pay for the app. You should. But I don't strong arm you to do it. All that's all we ask for. For a good cause. To step up. And those of you that said you were gonna play and all of a sudden fell off. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Some of you I know got tons of real world shit and I understand. But if you can't play, I better see five bucks in there by October 31st. Otherwise, don't ask me for shit. It's not going to hurt our friendship. It's not going to, you know, it is what it is. But I'm definitely going to look at you a little different. And for those of you that run your little sites and your little brands and all of a sudden you want to work with My Take Radio and do all this shit, remember today, remember October 27th when we wanted to know where the fuck you guys were. Because something tells me, I'll hear from you guys. Hey, can you take care of this? And when I don't answer your shit or when I tell you no or fuck you, don't be shocked. Just think back to October 27th. And ask yourself, where was I when MTR went live and we were doing Brawling for Boobies? Where was I? Was I playing the fresh copy of Battlefield 3? Yeah, I probably was. Should I have donated? Yeah. Just just don't be shocked. Don't be shocked when people's feelings get hurt. That's all I'm saying. Alright. I think I've gotten it off my chest and I've insulted probably 99% of my listener base. 
but shit's gotta be said, man. You know, I, I take inspiration from ONA, Howard Stern, countless other great podcasters who put work out there, the the Kevin Beers, the Don Andersons, who who ask for very little from their listeners and get nothing back. The media cast guys, the Paul Ortegas, all those guys that 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 give you great content. Don't ask you for nothing. And then when it's time for you to step up to support these guys, you don't. I'm tired of being that guy. That That's it. This is a new era of not giving a fuck. This is MTR season not giving a fuck. It's as easy as that. And like I said, you don't want to listen. You're personally offended. You don't want to be a fan. Hey, different strokes for different folks. We understand. All right. Tonight's topics, the ultimate fighter, we're going to talk about TNA and their bullshit, we're going to talk about WWE and their circus of fuckery too, we're going to talk Monday Night Raw, we're going to talk some video game stuff, we're going to talk about Nintendo just dropping the fucking hammer, we got some what the fuck movie news, and that pretty much covers it, by the way, I'm telling you guys right now, I am spoiling TNA Impact for the next two weeks. Why? Because they're fucking assholes. That's why. So if you care about TNA in any remote sense, when I get to the wrestling segment and I say this is your cue to fast forward, make sure it's your cue to fast forward because I'm not responsible if I spoil impact for you for the next two weeks. Why? Because TNA is stupid and they deserve every ounce of negative energy I give them. Easy as that. All right. Let's get into some MMA because there's a couple of things that need to be discussed. So it seems Blog Talk Radio is already fucking up my audio clips, at least on my end. Last time that this happened, everybody was saying that the shit sounded clear. Uh, we'll see what happens. Any of the other stuff is probably going to be played out of the iPad, so we'll see how that goes as well. All right, I'm not going to go through the fucking menagerie of recapping The Ultimate Fighter because by now everybody knows what the deal is. I'm just going to get into the fights. We actually had two fights this week, Steven Seiler and Diego Brandao, John Albert versus John Dodson. Now, the only thing I will say is that Michael Bisping definitely had some real suspect behavior this episode. Those of you that have seen it know exactly what I'm talking about. Steven Seiler and Diego Brandao, I expected it to be a slugfest. It did not disappoint. Diego ran out, went in with a flying knee. He recovered and started punching Seiler, went for a knee again, tried to back him off against the fence, and then Seiler, boom, caught him with a hook and dropped him like a sack of potatoes. It was ridiculous. It was a brutal KO the way he, he hit him with that hook. Very impressive performance uh, by Brandau. It was it was madness. Um, Siler, Siler definitely was trying to go in there and do his thing, but it didn't work, man. He just ended up catching him. The other fight on the card was John Albert versus John Dodson. I, I really like Dodson. Dodson is a, is a really... Uh, a really cool dude. He he acknowledges the fact that this is a show and this is a game that needs to be played intelligently. I like that. I like the way he handled himself. He looked really good in round one. Came in there. He was he was working. He was working with kicks. He was coming in, landing a couple of shots. 
He was definitely the aggressor. Um, John Albert seemed a little cautious. Dotson caught him in a clinch at one point. There was a nice exchange of knees. Um, Albert shot him for a takedown and failed. But there was a lot of a, a lot of exchanges. At one point, Albert delivered a head kick, but um, Dotson pretty much handled it like a champ. Um, very impressed with Dotson in the first round. Second round, we got more of the same. Dotson definitely was focusing his energies on attacking John Albert's legs. Uh, really, really great performance. Albert at one point attempted a flying a flying submission, but Dotson evaded it. They get back to their feet, but Dotson easily takes Albert down, at which point Dotson worked a little ground and pound, lets Albert up, eats a body kick from Albert, though, and then Dotson scores another takedown, closes the round out strong. Dotson takes the fight via unanimous decision, and I liked what he said at the end to close it out. He said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. He also closed out by saying that he fought conservatively to last into the semifinals. I don't know how I feel about that because you really do want to go out there and put on an exciting performance. But um, at the end of the day, they it, it was great performances. I'm really shocked that Bisping's team has just been taken apart. Uh, Brandao, Akira Korsani, and TJ Dillashaw are all that are left for Team Bisping. On Mayhem's team, you got Dodson, Caraway, Johnny Bedford, Dustin Pegg, Roland DeLorme, and Dennis Bermudez are, are there. Now, the funny thing is that they teased that DeLorme may not be able to fight next week. You know, he, he, his fight future is in jeopardy due to his foot issue. In addition to that, they teased an appearance from Tito Ortiz next week. So, that's where we're at with the Ultimate Fighter. Overall, I really am enjoying this season. I've been, I've been a little behind i've been trying to catch up and i actually got to finally catch up to this episode by watching it last night well by watching last week's episode last night and then i I got all caught up now i i'm really enjoying the season primarily because i like the way miller coaches his fighters he's more i don't know i want to say he's more approachable more friendly i think bisping is just focused more on i don't know talk trash talking giving mayhem the business. I don't know. I just feel that his coaching style is not not the same as it was when he coached against Henderson. I felt that at that point there was more of a camaraderie. Bisping had I don't know. I think he was more focused on his students as, you know, on on his pupils as opposed to being focused on his opponent, which you know, be that as it may, and I think that may have factored into Henderson knocking him unconscious, but I just think that Bisping just doesn't have that coach's edge this season. Make take of take of that what you will. I think that it's going to be Team Miller all the way, probably to the finals. Not to say that Akira Korsani and Diego Brandao didn't put on great performances, but there's just more dangerous guys on Miller's team. I do like Korsani definitely, and Brandao is is an is an animal. I was super pumped when I saw his per, his KO. All right, let's get into some other MMA news. UFC announced recently that they have partnered with uh, uh, Cinedigital to bring 3D UFC events to 120 theaters across the U.S. This is going to start with UFC's next Super Bowl weekend show, which will be taking place February 4th, and they will be doing it for, uh, for four different events throughout the year. Dana White shared the following about the deal. He said... By partnering with Cinedigim, we are taking the UFC viewing experience to a whole new level. For the first time ever, fight fans can watch a UFC pay-per-view card in 3D at theaters across the country. We want UFC fans to have the best viewing experience possible, and now they get a chance to experience 
major UFC pay-per-views in 3D. Now, I really don't have an issue with this. The only thing that bothers me is that you usually pay between $50 and $60 a pay-per-view, and now, you know, you go to a theater, 3D ticket markups are, you know, maybe you'll pay 20 bucks. And it, it may prove to be a better investment, but you're not going to get that great fight feeling just sitting in a movie theater. It's different if you went and you watched at a, at a bar where a lot of people can just talk to each other. It's a bit more of an intimate atmosphere. If you're watching it at a movie theater, people want to get pumped and they're going to want to chant for their fighters and cheer and shit. And some people are just going to get annoyed. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. But I think it's just a nice approach to deliver UFC to other fighters. I mean to other fans. So we'll see how it pans out starting February 4th. UFC 140 has been finalized with uh, Yves Jabouin versus Wallet Watson added to the prelims. UFC 140 is happening December 10th in Toronto. The main event for that card is John Jones versus Lyoto Machida. Then you got Mir and Nagara. Little Nog versus Tito, Brian Ebersole versus Rory McDonald, and Mark Hominick versus the Korean Zombie. On the prelims, you got Igor Porkryats versus Christoph Szczynski, Dennis Hallman and John McDessey, Rich Antonito versus Claude Patrick, Mark Bocek versus Nick Lentz. You got John Cholish and Mitch Clark also on the prelims. So UFC 140 is is very interesting only because John Jones is is really coming in there. To make a statement, Lyoto Machida's quote-unquote elusive fighting style can prove difficult. I don't know if John Jones will be able to get in close to secure the victory that way. I think it's going to be a, a very, very technical striking bout. I don't see it really going to the ground. I think they're going to want to stand and trade. But Jones has phenomenal wrestling, so he may come in there and try and take it to the ground only because Machida's ground game hasn't really been seen yet. Not to say that his ground game is suspect, but I think that Jones is going to be the guy to come in there and try and scoop the scoop him and take it to the ground. Mira Nagara is going to be fun also. Of course, it's a rematch. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing this only because Nogueira is coming off a very solid performance. And um, Frank Mir is Frank Mir. It depends on which Frank Mir shows up. If we get the Frank Mir with the awesome striking and submissions, it, it's going to be a great fight. Tito and Little Nog is exactly what you expect. That may be a slugfest. We'll see if Tito can go to his wrestling roots and take the fight to the ground. I think Tito's been showing a lot of very, very uh, huge signs of life for people that wrote him off. He's been coming out having really great performances. The guy is a legend in this sport, regardless whether you love him or hate him. I watched UFC events with Tito years ago when he when he wore sneaker wrestling sh- wrestling shoes when he fought. So, I'm a huge fan of Tito's regardless. I know that some people have a love-hate relationship with him, but I've always enjoyed Tito because he knows how to sell fights from making from making people want to either either see him win or see him get knocked out. He knows how to how to get the right amount of hype behind fights and that's why I'm always I've always been a fan of his. So, it's going to be a great card December 10th, Air Canada Center in Toronto. I'm sure many of you will get a kick out of this. The World MMA Awards for 2011 are going to be taped November 30th in Vegas. They'll be airing later on on Fox Sports Net and Fuel TV. But the beauty of it all is the fact that Chael Sonnen will be hosting the awards this year. 
It should be interesting because Anderson Silva is up for two awards, including Fighter of the Year and Knockout of the Year. So we are gonna we're gonna see if Chael Sonnen is is gonna be there to present the award to Anderson Silva, or if Anderson Silva will even show up. So <laughs> I think it's gonna be one of the more memorable World MMA awards. I think I've enjoyed them the few times I've seen them, but I think that with Chael Sonnen involved, there's bound to be fireworks. In some other news that should come as no shock to anybody, Kenny Florian told the Boston Herald that he will continue fighting and is going to return to the lightweight division. Kenny Florian said, I don't I don't want there to be an excuse because there's still things I should have executed that I didn't. But I feel that it's tough to go in there at a weight class that you're not sure you're going to be at 100%. He goes on to say, I didn't get in this to be second best, of course, but at the same time, not everybody can be a champion. I'm just going to go back to 155, work my way up, take it one fight at a time, and see where it puts me. He went on to close out by saying, I think there's exciting fights for me out there. There's still challenges out there for me. There's still things I'd like to try to improve on, and that's the main thing. I don't necessarily have the title in my eyes, but I do have my own personal goals as far as the technical level that I want to get to. Now, my, uh, my issue with that is, is this. Kenny Florian has jumped around from weight class to weight class to weight class. And a lot of people feel that he jumps to weight classes to find the easy route to the title. And a part of me wants to think that, I mean, Kenny Florian's still a good fighter regardless of what you think of him. But I just feel that the constant shifting to divisions has definitely taken its toll on him physically. I think that amongst everything else, you have to take into account that those cuts to 150 to 145 that cut to 145 affected his performance substantially i think he's a good he's a solid he's a solid weight at 155 and he'll do well i think that the problem is that he wanted to do so much in so little time at least that's how i see it i could be 100 percent wrong i don't know the guy but he had great opportunities at 155 and he probably can still fight for a title at 155 and even win a title at 155 i'm just bummed that he had to drop to 145 saw that he couldn't hang and then come back up to 155 it's as easy as that we'll see how it pans out 155 is stacked right now there's a lot of really great fighters at 155 and not for nothing you have to ask yourself if jose aldo stays strong at 145 would he go up to 155 and can we get a super fight because if Jose Aldo goes up to 155, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a whole other ball game. This weekend, of course, we got UFC 137 this Saturday. My boy Nick Diaz in the main event against BJ Penn, who I also like. Both guys are exciting to to watch. I just have a soft spot for Nick Diaz because he is, he is the proverbial chip on the shoulder anti-hero of MMA. The guy. He gave out the best statement not too long ago. He goes, make weight, fight, get paid. And that's really it. There's no theatrics with Nick Diaz. There's no there's no comedy with Nick Diaz. There's nothing but fist-to-face, mean mugging, give me my belt, give me my money, I'm going home. He doesn't want to do conference calls. He doesn't want to do interviews. He don't want to do shit. He wants to fight, get paid, and go home. And you know what? Make make of that what you will, but sometimes that's the way you can be successful. Sometimes I go to work and I don't want to talk to nobody. I want to punch in, work, and go home. 
Why? Because I, I'm more focused. I'm less distracted. Same rules apply. I think that fighting is not just a physical game, but it definitely is a mental game. And Nick Diaz mentally wants to stay focused. And I can't beat him for that. Simple as that. Next up, Czech Congo. Matt Mitrione is your co-main event. Mirko Krokop and Roy Nelson. A uh, very interesting fight for Kokop. We get to see if he can... Uh, if he can get himself a victory before he retires, he actually has said on paper and he said in an interview that this fight is, is a proving ground for him and he's going to see if he's still got it and, if, and he'd like to retire a winner. I, I'm pulling for him. I'm a huge Pride fan. Pride never die. And, um, you know, we'll see how he does against Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson's coming in a lot thinner. He's got the power beard going on. So we'll see what the deal is with that. Hatsu Hioki, I'm super pumped to see him fight against George Roop. We're going to see if the the Japanese curse in the octagon continues with fighters from Japan coming over and just not faring well in the octagon initially. It's happened a lot, so I hope with uh, Hatsu Hioki we don't see that. I, I like watching him fight, and George Roop is a good opponent for him. I'm very happy that they moved Jeff Curran and Scott Jorgensen to the pay-per-view. That's an awesome fight. Uh, Scott Jorgensen is, is a beast and Jeff Curran is, is fantastic as well. Spike TV fans are in for a treat. Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Dennis Seaver, Tyson Griffin and Bart Polshevsky on, are on your spike card and your prelims on Facebook, Elliot Marshall versus Brandon Vera. Uh, quick shout out to slick so he can see his boy Brandon Vera fight. All he has to do is go to the Facebook page for UFC. He can watch him fight Danny Downs and Ramsey Najem. Chris Camozzi versus Francis Carmont. You also got Dustin Jacoby and Clifford Starks. So there, that's the deal with that. Huh. I think my screen froze. All right, here we go. MMA Junkie has reported that our buddy Bobby Lashley will be fighting in Shark Fights 21 for the Shark Fights heavyweight title. That's going to be happening December 23rd on Fuel TV. So Bobby Lashley back in the cage. We'll see how he does. Um, I'm a little bummed with Bobby Lashley. I think Bobby Lashley was a guy with tremendous potential for the sport. Great upside. He had a marketable look. He had great presence. Well-spoken. Had the armed forces behind him. I just think that they gave him too much too soon. You know, Brock Lesnar's a great example. They gave him a couple of fights before he made it into the UFC. He's been in the UFC now, and he's made a statement, good or bad. Brock Lesnar always gets talked about. Whether it's in a negative or a positive light, he keeps the UFC in the mainstream picture just because of his WWE fan base, which continues to support him loyally, including the wrestlers. Same rules apply with Bobby Lashley. I think Bobby Lashley has a lot more behind him than Brock, only because... You got the armed forces behind you, you got the wrestling fans behind you, and you're well-spoken and marketable. I think Bobby Lashley needs to continue on this trend, just fighting in smaller shows, building up his record, getting some fights in, improving on his cardio. His his mental game definitely needs to be needs to step up. I think after that performance against Chad Griggs, I'm sure that there was a lot of self-doubt, but I have hope for Lashley. I think that he should really continue fighting in smaller shows, and I'm sure he'll end up in the UFC. Hell, I'd like to see him try out for the Ultimate Fighter. I don't want to see a sideshow fight with Dave Batista because all that's going to do is sully his career because Batista's not, you know, he can, you can train 
and you can study mixed martial arts and but it's different competing at the pro level like you can't go in there expecting big money if you haven't proven yourself just wanted to throw that out there Sergio Nan from USA Today broke the news that Viacom, the parent company for MTV and Spike TV, is now a majority owner in Bellator Fighting Championships. That's great news for Bellator. Viacom and MTV networks are now planning to broadcast Bellator on Spike TV starting in 2013. Spike TV currently has a broadcast deal in place with the UFC, which will be in effect through 2012. But Bjorn Rebney will remain in charge for those of you that are fans of his. I like the way... Bjorn Rebney handles his organization the way he promotes his organization, so I'm glad he's going to stay on board. And that should be happening in 2013. Spike TV is available in nearly 100 million homes. Bellator right now on MTV2 is getting about 80 million homes and whatever access they're getting through Epics. So that's a that's a big increase for them. Not only that, but I'm sure TNA is loving the fact that they have that MMA fan base that may tune into some wrestling as well. So we'll see what the deal is with that. I am very happy for Bellator. If you're not watching that organization, you definitely need to get hip to it quick. Bellator has a great medium to deliver fights with their tournament format. They got so many great up-and-coming stars there that are fighting, and I just love it. It's always exciting every week, and you can get it on MTV too. It's as easy as that. All right, what do we got? Because I got a whole bunch of stuff. Ah, yes, the last bit of news I did want to share with you guys, and that is Dana White spoke about meeting with Showtime executives this Wednesday with regards to continuing a broadcast partnership with Zufa, which, of course, Zufa owns Strikeforce, which is on Showtime, so they want to hopefully work on that relationship and extend it. He went on to say the following, I don't know what Showtime's plans are, but I had a great meeting with them. I met with all of them, the whole crew over there. It went very well, and we'll see how it progresses. In addition to that, they asked him if Bellator could be a contender now with Viacom. He went on to say, who knows? That remains to be seen, and as far as competition, I don't know what you mean by competition. Dude, the UFC's been around for 18 years. We've been doing this for almost 11. And if you look at how we built our business, it just doesn't happen overnight. He went on to say that we've all been standing here in the same position asking the same questions before. Television does not mean success. It doesn't. He was also asked about the fact that the UFC, some people are calling it a monopoly of the sport. I've actually heard this quite a bit. He went on to say the following. Let me tell you what Viacom is sitting on. They're sitting on $5 billion in cash. They've got the platform, the money, the network. We'll see what happens. I guess it's always fun for you guys, for the fans. Oh, they've got a new competitor and all that stuff. But it just doesn't work like that. I've been saying this for 10 years. Most of these guys that everybody thought were competitors were 30 or 40 million in the hole when they and and then they ended up going away. He went on to say about the UFC, this is not a monopoly. It's the dumbest thing ever said. We are far from a monopoly. If you guys could really know that story too, if we're a monopoly, Viacom now owns a mixed martial arts company. We're sit they're sitting on 5 billion cash. What does that make us? Now we're the mom and pops. I can tell you this, the UFC has been tremendously successful, but we're definitely not sitting on $5 billion in cash. Of course, in typical Dana White fashion, he closed out by saying, seriously, you have to be a moron, an absolute moron to say that this thing is a monopoly, or just out to get us and just hate us and want to say us. It's one of the two. You're either a hater or a moron. 
<laughs> I gotta give props to Dana White, man. He always delivers some solid shit. Um, I really, in a way, the UFC kind of feels like a monopoly, but the Viacom purchase of Bellator does cha- change things substantially. Bellator now has serious money to go out there and get some great talent, and if they improve their production just a smidge, and I really would like to see less non-title fights going on with their champions, that really kind of sullies them. Um, I think Bellator has a great future, especially, like I said, with Viacom behind them and Spike TV as their network. Spike TV is the network for guys. We like seeing people get punched in the face. It's as easy as that. So props to them. I'm going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we are going to talk some wrestling right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... (laughs) Well, you won't listen to that on our show because we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter... Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights, on all games. Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Check it out here. Andre, the giant muscle radio. Everyone has a price. Rest. All right, I want to talk vengeance first. I was pleasantly surprised, and I'll be the first to admit, pleasantly, pleasantly surprised that the pay-per-view was not a complete hot bag of dog shit. I was pleasantly surprised. WWE Vengeance went in with very little fanfare and surprised not only myself, but a lot of fans. I saw a lot of people on Twitter. I saw a couple of people I know on Facebook say the same thing, like, yo, man, it definitely did not suck as much as I thought it would. Um, I'm going to go through some of the matches, just share my thoughts with you. Nothing too crazy. The tag match with Air Boom and Ziggler and Jack Swagger was actually a really, really solid opening. Air Boom, of course, retained the belts. Dolph Ziggler has improved leaps and bounds when it comes to wrestling. He is he is in a, in a category by himself. I'm, it's good to see him developing so well. I actually see Ziggler getting a belt, uh, a major title within the next probably two years swagger the only problem with swagger swagger's wrestling has always been good it's his mic work and that fucking lisp i can't take you seriously when you're like yo man this guy sucks like i i can't i can't it's like fucking talking to sylvester from looney tunes that's that's all i think of when he starts talking seriously it's come on dude there's got to be a better way to work with jack swagger because that lisp, it's not a gimmick. It's really not. I think it's not a gimmick, and if it is, it's a fucking terrible one, and the writer that came up with it should be shot. If he doesn't have a lisp, that shit's gotta go. If he does, then you gotta find a way to, to build around that and do something different. Either you gotta give him a mouthpiece, which, of course, they're doing with Vicky Guerrero, or you just gotta make him like Goldberg, just silent but violent, and only keep the talking to a minimum, and... Just let him get over on his wrestling ability. The kid has a ton of talent. 
Ziggler was was great in the match, and Air Boom is exactly what the tag team division needs at this point. The only thing I, I feel with them is that knowing WWE, as long as I've watched them, they're going to use this formula, and then at some point probably they'll turn Kofi. And I really do think they'd turn Kofi because I think he has the potential to be a decent heel. And, you know, they'll break him up within six months. I honestly would like to see a tag team stay together for, for, for a year or two. Not this six-month shit, not this random shit. These guys, they went to all the trouble of putting them together, giving them a name, matching ring gear. Build your tag team division around these guys and bring other tag teams in and start putting viable teams together to make Air Boom relevant and make the tag team scene not look like shit. Right after this match ended, Dolph Ziggler went right into his match with Zack Ryder. Love Zack Ryder. He's got a fantastic gimmick. Crowd is behind him 110%. I really hope to see him get the belt off of Ziggler, only because Ziggler's at that that point where he can hang in the main event scene, but that was not the case. They Ziggler ended up retaining the title, but Zack Ryder looked solid at the pay-per-view. Ryder knows how to sell really well he knows how to take bumps really well and not only that but his character he's he's done so much to give a personality to his character which is basically an extension of himself that you really just want to see him succeed he's like the lovable underdog that you want to see get get over so maybe within the next three months we'll see Ryder with a belt and hopefully we'll see him on tv more ah the wwe divas title match Normally, I would tell you that this is the time when if you have to take a shit, you should get up and do so. If you're if you ran out of cheese dip for your Cheetos, you'd go get some. But on this was not the case. Eve Torres stepped her game up. I was a little concerned because when the fight started, they went into cat fight mode, pulling hair and all this shit. But Eve Torres actually broke out a couple of nice moves. She had some some nice moves finally built around her quote unquote jujitsu background. Beth Phoenix looked really good in the match. Of course, she was going to retain, but it was good. It was it was motivating just to see Eve Torres do more than what she normally does. My only gripe with Eve, Eve Torres is exactly what I've said. This chick, she talks about training with the Gracies, doing jiu-jitsu, etc., etc. What you should be doing is going out there and using that jiu-jitsu background. If you say that you train with the Gracies and you have a jiu-jitsu background, then you should find more ways to incorporate that into your character. Now, if it's a question of the writers and the way the match is written, then you've been in the game long enough that you should say, hey, you know, I got some jiu-jitsu background. I'd like to get into some some more submission wrestling. I think it'll work, especially if you pair her off more so with Natalia. I think that Eve's jiu-jitsu background would mesh well with Natalia's technical background, and you could get a really solid feud going. The problem is that the X factor in this entire scenario is Kelly is Kelly Kelly. They want to build the brand around her so badly because she's so cute and so pretty and, you know, build it around the, the blonde haired Barbie doll that can't wrestle for shit. I'm sorry. She can't. If there are Kelly Kelly fans listening and you guys and your guys, you know that you're only fans of Kelly Kelly because it gives you something to beat off to. Stop kidding yourselves. You're not a fan of her for her wrestling acumen. So let's get that shit out of the way and and address it right off the bat. Kelly Kelly's wrestling ability is sub- se- severely questionable. Severely. 
Eve Torres, a bit more improvement. Simple as that. All right, going down the list. Jesus Christ, why are my notes just not working with me? Christian and Sheamus was as good as any of their other encounters have been. So we'll skip that and move right into Triple H and CM Punk against The Miz and R-Truth. I really like the tag formula in this, of course. Shout out to Andrew Kusher because, once again, Kevin Nash pops up on pay-per-view because it's Kevin Nash. And the inevitable collision course with Triple H is right around the corner. I'm thinking Survivor Series. We'll see what happens when I talk about Raw. Miz and Truth, or the Awesome Truth as the internet is calling them, worked super well together, which you wouldn't think considering who they are, but they looked really great in that match. CM Punk is always solid. I was I was glad that Truth and Miz won the match because it keeps them strong. It helps build that relationship, and the loss wasn't going to hurt CM Punk or Triple H at this point. Randy Orton and Cody Rhodes. I was actually thinking that this was one of the weaker matches of the night, only because Cody Rhodes, he's getting there. He's really getting there. He's getting into that, that upper mid-card status where he just needs one or two extremely awesome matches to probably put himself into the main event. I do tend to to think that he does overact a little bit, but I think that playing the whole tortured, masked man gimmick has given a new dimension to his character, and working with Randy Orton, they have history there already with Legacy, so you can build a feud very easily. It makes Cody Rhodes look good. Randy Orton, you know he was going to win because it's it's Randy Orton. I think that one of the reasons why this match, I almost felt that the crowd had lost all their energy because of the Miz and R-Truth match earlier. So for anybody that says that the crowd was dead, it may just be because they were super pumped for the previous match and there was a lot of there was a lot of cheering and a lot of a lot of live madness going on where it took the energy away, but the match was not shitty. The World Heavyweight match with Mark Henry and the Big Show, I expected fucking molasses in the ring. And you did get a little bit of that, but I, I will tell you, and I've said it the last couple of episodes, Mark Henry continues to evolve as a performer. This guy, had they given him the same push five years ago, you could have done so much with him. Like I've said before, it's... It's 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 a great thing that they're trying to make him a badass, but you still got to erase every shitty angle that he's been involved in. Sexual chocolate, May Young. To erase all that, you need to continue to build him the way you have. And they did the the ring breaking spot, which we've we've seen before with Brock Lesnar and the Big Show, but. It actually felt like it was something that could have happened in this match. You got both guys, they're 400 plus pound guys apiece, and the impact from such a high elevation would break a ring. So it fit in terms of story, and not only that, by ruling the match a no contest, Mark Henry keeps the belt, he stays strong, and it adds a little bit of a, maybe the big show can be the guy to take the belt. I will tell you this, I'd rather Henry with the belt than the Big Show, only because the Big Show's matches are so formulaic. It's like slap on the chest, chop, headbutt. Maybe he'll do the the leg drop into the the leg drop over the neck, maybe. Then screaming and chokeslam. He's very formulaic. Mark Henry, he has a little bit more of of, of a badass vibe to him. Not only that, but 
it helps to, you know, have an African-American champion just because once in a while they start saying that they don't put belts on minorities. So it's nice to see Mark Henry with the belt. One, because he's, he's deserved it. Two, because it eliminates that very, very easy stereotype that you can throw out there about WWE only building around white guys. Last but not least, last man standing, Del Rio and Cena. Solid match from start to finish. I actually enjoyed Del Rio's work in this match. John Cena came out with a with an anti-bullying shirt that wasn't completely dog wasn't completely dog shit. I I do like that they're building that with John Cena as the spokesperson. The shirt said right rise above the hate. I also like the fact that he stood next to a guy that was wearing a We Hate Cena shirt because it showed that he, as, as a character, he doesn't take himself too seriously. And, you know, it showed that division between the audience, which I like. You know, I like WWE acknowledging that. Because John Cena isn't 100% a fan favorite. There are motherfuckers that can't stand him. I know a few of them. But I like that he's the spokesperson for this campaign because the, the whole bullying thing that's been going on with, with children in, in, of varying age groups is, is definitely front and center in the press. I mean... When we're not looking at Lindsay Lohan possibly posing for Playboy and, you know, Omar, you know, Momar Gaddafi getting a knife up his ass, the, the other thing that gets talked about is bullying, which to put John Cena in that particular category for that I, is, is, is very noble of WWE. We'll see what happens with it, but John Cena as the spokesperson is solid, and the match itself delivered. I, we actually got to see more out of Del Rio instead of the typical, uh, you know bullshit Rick Martel cheapo Eddie Guerrero knockoff that he is he actually had some more aggression to him he had a little bit more I'd say he was a little bit more vicious let's put it that way of course the Miz and R-Truth had to get involved which is going to set up some other stuff with those guys but overall card was solid I think that the strong points were the tag match the the Cody Rhodes and Orton match to me was solid and the last man standing was good. The tag match was, I really would have done it as the co-main event. I wouldn't have done Henry and big show only because the crowd, like I said, the crowd just was drained. So they got so quiet for these other matches, but overall solid card. Nice work WWE. And let's go right into raw. I only want to acknowledge a couple of things on here. I'm not going to go into all the typical bullshit um squash match with Ziggler and Morella was of course Ziggler winning so Santino gets the uh no longer the the super push that he got when he came back where everybody was like oh you know he's gonna win because he's back you know the ass whoopings of Santino now continue of course they had Mason Ryan come out for the save and they're gonna build that little feud with the Ryan experiment we'll see how it goes I don't know if you can really do a good match with Swagger and Ryan only because you have to still carry Ryan a little bit. He seems a little a little robotic when he moves. But hey, make of it what you will. Natalia and Alicia Fox was very, very, very sloppy. Super sloppy, and it wasn't Natalia's fault either. I think Alicia Fox still needs work. There's a tremendous upside to her. She's very athletic. She has a good look about her. I just think she 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 still needs seasoning. Still needs seasoning. John Morrison got sacrificed to Wade Barrett this week because that's what's going to happen. I think from now on, I'm just going to assume John Morrison is going to lose every week. I think he's gonna, he's just a better-looking Brooklyn brawler at this point. 
And a lot of people have been saying that he may be in the doghouse now, but years ago, Triple H was in the doghouse. So he really needs to stay strong and wait for his opportunity. And I have to agree. I mean, you know, the whole Molina thing and your 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 issues with the Trish Stratus match last year at WrestleMania didn't do you any favors. And Trish Stratus is a veteran and your treatment, you know, his alleged treatment of her was definitely suspect. So if I were him, I'd take I'd take my punishment like a man because I'm sure that this is a guy that they're going to build to be a main eventer real soon. And they're just letting him pay his dues right now. And I honestly hope that he stays strong and and toughs it out, because if he jumps ship and goes to TNA, sure, they'll they'll do a little something with him. Maybe they'll move him into the X division for a little bit. Maybe they'll give him a main event slot. But you are a WWE product. And they do have hope for you. They are marketing you. You're on TV every week, so they don't hate you that much. The Miz and R-Truth fought John Cena in a typical handicap match, at which point John Cena wins by DQ. Typical as always, Cena is getting his ass whooped, comes back with the Superman defense, etc., etc., etc. And uh, The Rock is teased for to team with John Cena. So we'll see how that goes. I'm tired of Johnny Ace already. I'm tired of, you know, John, blah, 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 my voice is shit. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired. He sucks as a GM. He, he's really just a terrible character to use. You could have done so many other things with, with, with the GM. You could have left Triple H as GM. I, I would have fucking revealed Kevin Nash as the, as the anonymous GM. That would have been crazy. Him just doing run-ins and him saying that he's going to be a more physically involved GM and that they can't touch him because he's a WWE officer. You could have done such a great storyline with that, but instead, we give it to fucking Johnny Ace and his stupid laryngitis-filled voice. Yuck. That's how I see it. Yuck. All right, let's get into the wrestling news. You know, a couple of weeks back, I said that Travis Tomko, a.k.a. Tyson Tomko, formerly of WWE, formerly of TNA, formerly of New Japan Pro Wrestling, was in jail for possession of drugs, and he was shooting up in a bathroom, in a Chili's bathroom. Um, It's been said that he robbed a pharmacy. He stole oxycodone on October 10th. He melted down the oxycodone and was injecting it when he got caught. Since posting bail, he has now been admitted into WWE-sponsored rehab, so it's, it's good to see. Tomko's attorney said the following. He's very grateful for all the support he's received from his friends, family, and fans from around the world. Mr. Tomko realizes he is struggling with an addiction, and with the support of his family and the WWE, he is voluntarily checking himself into an undisclosed treatment facility to receive the help he needs for a successful recovery. So I definitely... Wish Tomko the best. Really don't want to see another wrestler in the news, on the web, dead. Because that's what happens. WWE has been testing in dark matches a tag team of Tito and Primo on house shows. Originally, they wanted to do something with a a Freebird-style trio with Carlito, Primo, and Tito. But, of course, Carlito was released. So, now they're working on building a tag team with both of these guys. I honestly think that Carlito, his his time in the WWE was tumultuous at best. I think that having him back in the organization at some point is a no-brainer. But Tito and Primo putting him as a tag team, it's good for the tag team division. It gets um, 
more Hispanic wrestlers out there. I think that, and and that's I'm not even saying it because I'm Hispanic. I just think that the Hispanic audience always, always, always gravitates towards wrestling, and the more the more people can relate to their nationality nationalities being showcased, the more fans you can get. Mexican fans, of course, when you went down to Mexico last week, and you had Del Rio, Sin Cara. Those guys down there, they got great responses. People knew who they were from their previous personas in Mexico. It's just the fact that you need to do something. You know, you need to have more Latin wrestlers that can reach other markets. I know the WWE has done tours of Puerto Rico. I think if you get a couple of those guys out there, you'll be able to get a stronger uh, Puerto Rican following. Not only that, but the organizations in Puerto Rico have some really great talent and if they see that some of their own are succeeding in the WWE, maybe they may jump ship. And you know what? New talent is always good. The only problem with new talent is if they are booked poorly. I've always said, sometimes it's not just the talent that can be at fault, but the way they are booked plays a huge part. I wanted to talk about CM Punk's perks this week because everybody thought that CM Punk's perks were just storyline related Turns out that his perks were legit. As per CM Punk's new WWE deal, he now gets first class airfare. He also has his own touring bus. These are perks that are used by top guys in the company. So as of right now, CM Punk is considered a top guy. So props to him for getting these perks. I think that CM Punk is a great wrestler to build your organization around. He has great wrestling acumen and I think it's about time he got acknowledged. I got to talk about Dave Batista this week's in this week's wrestling segment because Caesar Gracie was on the MMA hour and he was talking about UFC 137 because of course he trains Nick Diaz but during the show he was asked about Dave Batista and when Batista would be fighting Caesar Gracie said that Pro Elite expressed interest in booking Batista to fight but the only issue is that Batista's movie career has kept him from getting into the into the cage now Batista actually did, he's in the sequel for the Scorpion King. Yes, there is a third Scorpion King movie, and he is in that movie with Kimbo Slice. Take that as you will. He is also in, a, in another movie, which I'm actually going to try and check out, which looked, which looked actually quite passable. It was an action flick. I think it's on Netflix right now, and I may be using that for the Minority Film Report. We'll see. Worst, worst case, we'll do a video Minority Film Report, or we'll do an audio one, but... I think the Batista film needs to be addressed. Okay, this is the part where you guys, if you don't want to know what happens in TNA within the next two weeks, will need to fast forward. We'll need to skip. First off, Impact recorded its next two weeks of television, and as we all know, Robert Roode was supposed to win the belt. He didn't. The following on Impact... James Storm won the belt from Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, of course, was injured. James Storm is your champion. Everybody was annoyed, etc., etc., etc. So, rather than take the time and build up a potential feud, a potential rivalry, they ended up doing a match with Rude and Storm where Rude turned heel, cracked Storm over the head with a beer bottle, and won the belt. So all this shit to build Robert Roode up as a face and all this shit out the window, completely erased. And he turns heel and beats Storm for the belt. That's what happened. 
And my issue isn't the fact that Robert Roode won the belt because he should have won it beforehand after all the work they put in. But it was just the fact that they turned him so quickly. You could have done a nice slow burn, a nice rivalry where you could have built it up gradually where, you know, Storm retains the belt. And every time that Rude comes out and celebrates with him, he looks at the belt a little longer. He lingers a little bit before handing him the belt. It, that's what you need to do to build great storytelling. Don't just go for the instant heel turn. Oh, no, 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 no. Tell a story. Stretch it out. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Instead, it was so much easier to turn Rude heel. Also, in, in a taped episode of Impact, Tara and Miss Tessmacher lose the TNA Knockout Tag Titles to Gail, Kim, and Madison Rain. You'll be seeing that on the November 3rd episode of Impact. So we got two title changes, one a significantly huge one, and I just wanted to close out the wrestling segment by saying TNA... You make people pay per f- for pay-per-views, you build it, you think that the guy's going to win, and he doesn't. I'm just going to watch Impact from now on because obviously that's where you guys are going to change titles. Easy as that. That's going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week. I'm going to take a commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk some video games right after this. What are we found at night even? Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save us? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? video games i'm so i'm trying to get the hang of the soundboard on the ipad it's been working kind of well so bear with me when things seem a little longer than they should but i wanted to make sure the angry birds got showcased this week all right let's open up with our favorite paperweight from nintendo the nintendo 3ds which is going to be getting 3d video recording next month the feature will be available in the November firmware update along with a couple of other features which include a map overlay of Miis that you've collected in Street Pass. You're also going to be able to transfer software to other 3DSs. You're going to get Find Me, which is going to be a 3DS RPG. Well, no, you're going to get Find Me and then you get a 3DS RPG that's getting a sequel. You're also going to be seeing those updates first in the Japanese systems. The US update is only getting the 3D video recording. So if you have a Japanese 3DS, you're gonna get a uh, you're gonna get some cool little add-ons. But U.S. 3DS owners will only be getting the 3D video recording. In addition to that, it's been announced that Hulu Plus will be launching on the 3DS and the Wii, according to Nintendo. Like Hulu Plus on the 360 and the PS3, it's gonna run you $7.99 a month for you to watch old TV shows on your 3DS. Anybody that pays money for that is out of their fucking minds. Because that screen is small as shit. I wouldn't even watch Hulu Plus on my fucking phone. I'd rather watch it on the, on a tablet. At least that that's a little better. But on a phone, not so much. Fans of Mass Effect will be glad to know that they'll get their opportunity to try out the third game in January. 
BioWare announced recently that they're going to be putting out a demo for multiplayer and single player sometime during the month of January. So for those of you that are fans of that mass, you'll be able to play multiplayer and single player in January. Of course, even though the MPD can't put out a lot of their numbers, Microsoft loves to let us know how, how, how much domination they have in the console side of things. Microsoft recently announced that they have shipped over 57.6 million Xbox 360 units worldwide. They actually announced this during their first quarter 2012 earnings report. In other news, they're saying that Xbox is that Microsoft is working on the next Xbox system slated to be unveiled in 2013. According to the DevelopNet site, the site has a couple of various sources cited that said you can expect a reveal at E3 2013 followed by a launch either later in 2013 or early 2014. So rest easy, folks. There will be a new Microsoft console probably revealed in 2013. For our listeners that are playing Portal 2 and decided to put it down and play Battlefield and Batman and all the other new titles that are out taking your money, blow the dust off that Portal 2, throw it back in because you're going to get a new piece of downloadable content which according to the press release from Valve will have an in-game editor and it's targeted for early release for release early next year. The content is going to let others view, play and vote on created levels which will be able to be played in single player and co-op campaigns as well. They have not said which systems will be getting the content but know that it will be available next year. We got some Soul Calibur news this week, Namco Bandai has announced a collector's edition of Soul Calibur 5. I saw some pictures of it, which I posted on the fan page. You're going to get, of course, your typical soundtrack and art book. You're going to get a making of video. You're also going to get White Knight and Dark Knight armor sets for created characters. And it's all going to be packaged in a large book style. You're also going to get, um, probably as a pre-order bonus, Dampierre, which is the character from PSP's Soul Calibur game. He will be a pre-order bonus. No prices have been announced as of yet for this collector's edition of Soul Calibur, but I'm sure it's probably going to be 100 bucks. For our sports fans, you're going to get some downloadable content for NBA 2K12 called The Legend Showcase. You're going to get 150 of, MB, of the NBA's all-time greatest players. You're going to get access to new minigames, a classic quick, quick match mode, and some cel-shaded art set in New York City's Times Square. Our buddies at Rockstar released a teaser earlier this week that GTA 5 will be unveiled on November 2nd. So be on the lookout for a trailer on MyTakeRadio.com or on our fan page. A lot of people have been clamoring for a new GTA. I think that GTA 4 has kind of run its course. So GTA 5, you can probably expect it. I'm sure that if it's going to be a, un, a unveiled November 2nd, I think that we'll probably see we'll probably see a new GTA. I would like to say the following November cuz GTA usually drops in October or November, so you can expect that. Don't hold me to it, but GTA 5 trailer November 2nd. Batman Arkham City crushing the competition sold 4.6 million units worldwide. That's more than double the units sold for Batman Arkham Asylum during the same time period. In addition to that, of course, you saw the Nightwing downloadable content, Robin content, which is going to be released, and the Batman costume pack, which you can expect. 
Slick is working on a review for Arkham City because he recently finished it. So you can you guys can be on the lookout for that probably this weekend. He put some serious work in the main campaign. Slick was not Slick reviewed Rocket Birds and I think it probably killed him a little bit inside that he had to stop playing Arkham City to review Rocket Birds. But if you haven't checked out his review of that, I recommend you do. Rocket Birds is a great game on the PSN and Slick did a fantastic job on the review and be on the lookout for his Arkham City review later this weekend. Little Big Planet is getting another re-release this time as a new move bundle. The PlayStation blog reported that a special edition of the game it will be out November 15th. You're going to get $35 worth of downloadable content. You're also going to get the Toy Story levels and costumes, pet costumes, and the move add-on. In addition, the move bundle comes with a special edition of Little Big Planet, which will give you the move controller, the nav controller, and the camera. So that's all coming in a bundle. You'll get a special edition of Little Big Planet, and you'll get the the bundle with the move system. So if you haven't played Little Big Planet 2, I suggest you get on it. I find Little Big Planet to be very therapeutic. I am incredibly angry, and that's one of the few games that I can play mindlessly where I can actually laugh and enjoy the innocence that it provides. And the big one, the big news story this week, our buddies at Nintendo. I can't even believe I'm going to tell you guys this. Nintendo is expecting its first fiscal year loss in over 30 years. According to their six-month report, which came out today, Nintendo has gone from an expected $264 million profit to a $264 million loss. Nintendo attributed the loss to a smaller number of a smaller number of hit titles overall, a decrease of both hardware and software sales. Price reductions of the 3DS and Wii hardware in overseas markets, along with an inventory markdown, have been factors. In addition to that, they blame their losses on the impact of a much stronger yen against the U.S. dollar. During the six-month period, you guys are going to love this, the 3DS sold 3.7 million units and sold 8.13 million titles. Well, I guess 8, let's say, yeah, 8 point, according to this, 8.13, which sounds really weird. Uh, the DS, meanwhile, has sold 2.5 million units and 29 million titles. Finally, 3.5 million Wiis were sold with 26.5 million games. The company's stock is at a five-year low and is expected to dip lower. Now, here's where my take comes in as, as you know, a little bit of wordplay for that. Let's, let's, look at this, let's look at this from a couple of angles. Before we all say that Nintendo's on its last legs, it's not. But this loss should really open Nintendo's eyes to the fact that the model that they have used to conduct business just does not work. It doesn't work. Think about it. You put out a system that is touted as having 3D and all this great stuff. You build all this hype behind it. You put a $250 price tag, which... Definitely is off-putting considering that you can get a home console for less money. In addition to that, you put it out without any solid titles. No solid titles, none. All you do is put rehashed titles, 3D titles that, you know, everybody expects to to already be out there. No, 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 no. We're just going to go with the safe bet of giving you the same shit that you've seen countless times. And the problem with that 
is that people are are tired of that shit. People, they're they're just people are fed up. They're fed up with buying the same games twenty times over, and they're sick. They're sick of it. And and the problem is that Nintendo doesn't want to accept defeat. They don't. They they'd rather they'd rather go out there and say, well, it's the it's the the money. Well, it's the fact that we had to drop prices on stuff. Oh, you know, there was a decrease in hardware and software sales. People are buying more consoles and more games now than more than ever because there's so much other technology out there between the Kinect, the 3DS, all this other shit, and you guys aren't putting anything out. And when you do put something out, it's, you know, Zelda Skyward Sword, which, you know, is is a good title, but it's not a title that's going to make people jump out of their seat. Mario 3DS, it's coming out, I believe, next month, and Mario Kart. One of those should have been a launch title. You should have had a first-party title behind there. Giving us Street Fighter 4 3D, while, yeah, it's okay, it's still Street Fighter 4. We've played it. Giving people Kid Icarus or a new Mario, that works. That, that may help. Star Fox 3DS... Take it 50-50. Some people were super pumped for it. I could give two shits. But Nintendo really needs to rethink their strategy if they want to be successful. Think about this. The 3DS and the regular DS are, are close in price now. The Wii is pretty much fizzled. And then they have re- they released a new Wii console that you can only lay horizontal and doesn't have any GameCube compatibility. And the best part of it all is that it's priced the same as the existing Wii console. It's insane. How are, why are people going to pay the same price for a system that has less capabilities? They're not, no, nobody's that dumb. And if they are, they're really not doing their homework. Nintendo needs to reevaluate their strategy. They need to focus on putting out great first-party content, and they need to stop building systems that are so ass backwards that no developer wants to touch them. That's the that's the shit that that's very sad to me. They go, they put out the Wii. Oh yeah, motion control is the future. Nobody wanted to touch the shit. Now you're doing this stuff with the Wii U, and it's revolutionary and it looks great. But from what I've heard. You can't use more than two Wii U tablets. In addition to that, the only person, the, two people can use the Wii U tablets. Everybody else has to use controllers. How much are these tablets going to be? Think about this. The cheapest tablets, maybe 200 bucks. If the tablets themselves are 200 bucks, how much are you going to charge for a console plus the tablet? $400 for a system, $450 for a system, nobody's going to pay it. Especially if the horsepower isn't comparable to at least a 360. Because it sure as fuck isn't comparable to a PS3. We'll see what the deal is. Let me bring Slick on board. If you guys got any questions or you guys want to discuss any of the stuff that we've discussed within the last couple of segments, 347-324-3541. I'm going to try and put the number out there more often i have noticed that we are getting less calls 347-324-3541 is the call-in number with that said let me bring slick on because i'm sure he has some wisdom for us what's up homie what's going on what's up man dude this nintendo Uh, shit is insane man 
Well, I think that 3DS, what would have really put it out the gate, it, it would have sold if, you know, Nintendo has to basically go back to their roots. The Wii U needs to do what the NES did. It needs to come with a Mario game. Uh, I, I agree. I think they may need to go back to the old formula. That would help. Because bottom line is the 3DS had come with this Super Mario 3D. It's basically the only way to get the game for, let's say, the first six months or the first year of the 3DS launch was to get a 3DS. And you priced it at 250 People would have been all over that shit. The thing with the 250 price point is that we are we are in an era where people are more cost conscious. You remember when the PS3 first came out and people were dropping $500 for it like it was nothing? 600. 600, thank you. <laughs> you know, that, 6000 on eBay. Exactly. When people were dropping that kind of paper, that shit is gone. You can't do that anymore. And yeah, I know that there's manufacturing costs and and things of that nature, but you really have to look at the fact that people are more cost conscious in this very troubled economy. And as, you know, as, as fucking financial newsish as this sounds, you have to look at the fact that the economy plays a, a huge factor in, in the success of these consoles. Because think about it, every time the 360 drops, or every time the PS3 drops in price, or if the PS3 drops and includes more storage, or gives you a bundle, more units sell. And you'd, and you'd say to yourself, damn, by this point, shouldn't everybody have this fucking console? I know people that when the console dropped in price, they had a PS3, they bought another one. Because, you know, you get a Blu-ray player for free. Exactly. There's no incentive. Nintendo isn't... See, when you buy an Xbox 360, you're buying it for the games. You're also buying it with the allure of Xbox Live. That is your selling point. Xbox Live, Netflix, all that content, that's your selling point. Your PS3 selling point... It's the media adapted. Right. The PS3 selling point, Blu-ray, I'm not going to say that they're online component, but it is because it's free for people that don't want to shell out any more money. PS3, you can go online, it's free. Not only that, but you still get Netflix, you can still get media capabilities because I stream to both consoles. There's more incentive there. Nintendo, it's like, hey, there's motion control. Oh yeah, by the way, we gave you Netflix. You know, a year or two later, thanks. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys could do that. You know, oh, you can play every old Nintendo game that's ever come out that you probably have played before. Same thing with Genesis, TurboGrafx-16. Oh, yeah, you know, you could go online, but you're going to need to use this 27-digit code that you're going to need to exchange with your friends. And when people go, hey, what's your Xbox gamer tag? 9856294. You know, like, that that's what it is. Nintendo's medium is completely backwards. And one thing I do want to say is that they should really port out Mario. Like, imagine if you can port Super Mario 1 and, and even Super Mario 2 to, say, iOS and Android devices. You'd probably buy it. But you know they're never going to do that. I mean, like, while, while there's still a console, it's like you're never going to see a Halo on PS3. You're never going to see a Sly Cooper on the 360 or on the Wii. 
they're never going to see Mario on a on a console that's not Nintendo branded legally. Well, no, I'm now, not. There's still a Nintendo console out there. No, I'm not saying to give it to to you know a Nintendo or a Microsoft, but why not give it to the handheld market? You know how much money they'd make on no, that. No, they, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, hey, give out the newest Mario title, but I'm sure that, that somebody would not have any problem dropping, you know, five bucks to play Super Mario Brothers one. You can even do Super Mario Brothers the arcade, if you if you want to protect yourself, <laughs> and people will buy that shit, and that's a nice revenue stream. It's a nice way to pad your pockets. You know what it is that you have a two hundred and sixty-four million dollar loss if if some poor fuck does not get fired. Nintendo is seriously fucked up. Because how can you sit there? How, how can you sit there and validate two hundred and sixty-four million dollars? Oh yeah, we lost it. But you know, there was a smaller number of hit titles overall. No shit. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the obvious. Thanks. I'm glad you guys can can see that. Like every first party title this year was a remake. Yep. Remember when we looked at the MPD numbers and you know Super Mario Brothers Wii was still on there even though it came out like four years ago. Like they're bugging. Yep. How, how how fucked up is that? It's like, yo, your first party titles have such a long shelf life that you should really, you know, put out more of them. Well, it's a sad state of affairs. No, their, their biggest thing to come out, like you said, is, is Zelda, and that's literally like the first big title they've put out this year. That's sad. Well, the only thing I want to say to, to to close out Nintendo's Nintendo's issues, just you know, amongst us, is the fact that if Nintendo doesn't step their game up, they're gonna get steamrolled by Sony, Microsoft, and Apple. Because as much as they don't want to acknowledge it, they they can. They need to to cancel the the Wii U project and work on something else. Well, you, the, the Wii U project is catching up to the 360 and the PS3, and you got Microsoft working on their next console, which obviously is going to go away to 360. I mean, we're in 2011, almost in 2012. Obviously, by 2014, 2015, Sony's going to be announcing and possibly showing their next console because they said the PS3 has a 10-year life cycle. So in 2016, the next uh, PS whatever is going to be coming out. Well, here's here's something that, I, that, that has always bugged me about Nintendo. They love innovation. They love being different. But they don't seem to want to invest the energy in making it better. And that's where Apple, that's where Apple thrives. And that's, you know, that's something I wanted to bring up. Think about it. Every Apple device has improved in some shape, way, or form. Even if it's a modest improvement, it's, it's improved. And not only that, but Apple continues to support their product as long as humanly possible. I know people that still have an iPhone 3GS. Yeah, you can't get a lot of the other shit, but you can still get some of it. You can still play the same games. You can still get access to most of the stuff because it's software dependent. 
Nintendo, it seems, it's like we're gonna give you a 3D, we're gonna get, we're gonna give you a 3D DS, we're gonna give you a regular DS, and you're gonna have two different types of games. But we really want you to buy the 3DS because we want to phase out the DS, but we're not gonna tell you that. You know what I mean? Like they want to keep so much shit out there to get money from that it makes them look bad. Why are you gonna put out a Wii that has to be horizontal? doesn't have backwards compatibility and not phase out the other way yet still charge 100 and yet still charge 150 sorry no i was saying and yet still charge 150 bucks for it it's stupid mm-hmm. i mean you put out the 3ds and it's like you're trying to phase out the ds but the ds had all these great games and the 3DS has Mario coming out soon. It's like that's really the one truly new game worth playing on the 3DS. There you go. There All are right. other good games that are worth playing, but they're all rehashes. It's it's crazy, dude. It's it's really crazy that you know the the, the software model that Nintendo has adapted is just so behind and and they just feel that by using the same lovable characters they're going to stay relevant and you know what those lovable characters are lovable characters from our childhood but we're growing up and we're starting to go into the the Call of Duties the the Batman Arkham Cities so the allure of going back and playing you know the cute Mario game or the nostalgic Link game yeah it's there but it's not on the same level that it was when we were in that demographic and they, they need to stay relevant. They need to evolve themselves. Think about this. They're going to put out the Wii U. Oh, yeah, you guys will be able to play Batman on the Wii U. Who is going to give a fuck about Batman on the Wii U when it's already been played? When they've sold millions of fucking copies. Millions. Once again, rehashing the obvious. Especially when by that point, I mean, since the game's already on PC, people will mod the hell out of it. And it's like, I mean, I don't want to spoil everything because, I mean, I've played through the game, but you got Mario stepping on turtles and mushrooms, and then you got Batman just fighting all kinds of crazy shit. There you Things go. Are literally three times this size, and it's like. Nobody's going to care about that by the time the Wii U kit comes out because the next Batman game will be on Sony and Microsoft's platforms. There you go. No, Nobody's going to make that investment. And it's, and it's sad, dude, because you know what it is? As much as people admonish Sega for what they did, Sega saw the writing on the wall and they just stepped out. I'm not saying that, that this is a death knell for Nintendo, but yo, if they don't step their game up, this is, this is going to be serious shit. The... the Either the Wii U needs to have an expandable, a console that's expandable like what they used to do with the Super Nintendo, how, like, they have the extra memory unit and shit like that, where it's, like, some kind of firmware or maybe some kind of hardware install can make it do more. Or they really need to look into something else because either that or, like, do do what they did need to be like those games that they showed me three, they need to keep going after those those um third party developers and getting that money. Maybe that's maybe that's where the two hundred and sixty four million dollar loss is. Maybe they're 
smartly spending money on getting those third-party developers for this Wii U. I because hope. if they do that, if that's where that money's going, if that's where all that loss of money's going, and they just bullshit and say, oh, well, price drops and all that shit, and they're just spending money like crazy, they'll make that shit back when the Wii U comes out. Well, here's here's something that, 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 that shows why I'm concerned for Nintendo. You and I both saw at Comic-Con Uncharted running on a fucking phone. (laughs) On a phone. And then it's like, think about it. I am playing Uncharted on a phone, but yet I want to step on mushrooms with an Italian plumber. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uncharted on my phone. But give me the game with the system. There you go. Give me a real reason to pick up that console and not have to spend some extra money to get a game. Yep. Nintendo, and it'll be, you know, a perfect ad campaign because they can talk about how everybody else makes you buy the console and the game. I agree. And we're taking it back to the old days where you got a game with the console or maybe even two games. Dude, they did good when they put Wii Sports in, in, in the bundle. Everybody had a game to play that first day. Exactly. Um, and even and even if it's not Mario, dude, at least give us something like even Wii Sports at the time was original. It was different. It gave you an incentive to want to play it. People still play that shit. Dude, I played Wii Sports religiously up until I just got tired of the Wii collecting dust. I played. I used to. I used to do the home run derby for at least two hours. Drenched in sweat. So so I was there, dude. I was a hundred percent on board with that. And then the novelty yeah, just wore off. They could have expanded on that. Yep, they could have, but Nope, they didn't. I don't know, homie. But I will tell you this to close it up. If Nintendo doesn't step up their game, this is what we're gonna hear. If it'll play. Look at that. Way to bomb that. <laughs> that's what we're gonna hear if they don't fucking step their game up anything else you want to add my friend no i'm good man all right brother all right talk to you later peace see you all right with that said let's talk about some movies and you know what i've been wondering what i can use for the movie segment this week and i've been trying to play around with it and do some different stuff some different stuff and because Halloween is coming up on Monday. I decided that this would be the most fitting segue for the movie segment. Boys and girls of every age, wouldn't you like to see something strange? Come with us and you will see this our town of Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Pumpkin scream in the dead of night. This is Halloween. Everybody make a scene. Trick or treat. Let's talk some movies. First off, Marvel has done countless comic movies, countless, and we're we're getting countless more. But it seems that now they want to go into the whole TV category. Slick just sent me a communique to remind people to go that are playing Arkham City to visit Calendar Man's cell on Monday. As per Slick, a communique. Visit Arkham City's Calendar Man. Visit his cell Monday. Calendar Man cell on Monday, Arkham City. Communique from Slick. That has been a Black Rage news story. 
All right, back into movies. Like I said, Marvel coming out of the movies, going into TV. We talked about the Hulk getting a TV deal. We're going to start seeing some TV properties coming out from some of the more major Marvel heroes. And one that's coming out, according to Deadline, is The Punisher. According to Deadline, Marvel's popular anti-hero will be getting a TV show on Fox. From the minds of uh, ex-showrunner Edwin Allen Bernero, who used to do Criminal Minds. There are, of course, going to be some tweaks. In this particular version, Frank Castle will be an NYPD detective by day, but he will be the Punisher by night, righting the wrongs that he legally can't. This is going to be the fourth Marvel Universe project scheduled for TV, joining the Hulk, Cloak and Dagger, and a.k.a. Jessica Jones, which is based on Brian Michael Bendis' Alias series. So... I will tell you this. I think that The Punisher as a TV show would be better suited for cable. Right. Slick uh, Slick reminded me. There was a Spider-Man TV show in the 70s. I think I actually remember watching that. But I think that Marvel's foray now into, into TV programming would work if they would take their characters and put them in... In the right mediums. See, my issue with a character like Frank Castle's Punisher is that while on Fox it might be good and it might be a little edgy, I think that the level of brutality and violence famous in the Punisher universe, like I've always said, is suited for a cable setting. The the the, the criminals that he kills, the crimes that they commit, the bloodshed that he ha- that he does, is something that would really benefit from cable. I mean, from cable television. One of the things that made Spawn on HBO so good, thank you for that reminder, Slick, was the fact that on cable you were able to push the the envelope much like they did in the books. In doing that, it kept Spawn truer to the books and made people really want to watch the series. I think that if you're doing something like that with The Punisher, there's plenty of networks. If you don't want to do HBO, you can do Stars, which is becoming, which is stepping their game up with original programming. You can even do it on Cinemax. Cinemax has been doing a really great job with a show called Strike Back, which if you have Cinemax, you should definitely check it out. It's a it's a really great action action packed show. Lots of explosions. Uh, there, there's plenty of nudity and violence because it's on cable, but it's just really well done, really well written, and it has a fantastic cast. And I'm not even saying that just as a free plug. I'm saying it because it's a show I enjoy. And I think The Punisher falls in that in that area where on cable he would be it would be awesome. Imagine a weekly Punisher series on HBO. You got your sex, you got your violence. True to the to, true to what everybody knows The Punisher for being. I don't think it's going to be as successful on Channel 5. I think they're going to water it down. The whole him being a regular guy by day and a Punisher by night and the Punisher by night. It's going to be tough. Primarily because the Punisher doesn't wear a fucking mask. So it's like if he beats up an informant at night and then is walking the beat during the day. How are you not going to know it's still him? Are you going to put a mask on the fucking Punisher? Because that's not going to work. I think that they need to really, really rethink that, and that particular direction I just don't see being successful. Skull, well, Slick is right, a skull mask. Alright, but then it would it would borderline on Chapel from Image, but that might work. 
Slick, Slick is on point tonight hitting me with it with a couple of little tidbits of info. In some other comic properties that are getting the film treatment, War Heroes from Mark Millar and Tony Harris is going to be getting the film treatment. For those of you that aren't familiar with War Heroes, it's about a U.S. military experimental program developed in light of dwindling enlistments. Now, what they're doing in this particular comic is that they're taking super soldiers that break off and form a criminal enterprise. But what ends up happening is one, of course, rises through the ranks as a hero to prevent a catastrophe from happening. Um, I think this would really work. It has a universal soldier type vibe to it. If done well, I can see it being successful. Mark Millar does incredible comic books. And while I do like that they're doing something with war heroes, I really want to see something done with Nemesis. If you haven't read Mark Millar's Nemesis comic, holy shit, is that comic fucked up. It is so fucked up, but it's such a great read. Do yourselves a favor and pick up Nemesis. It's four issues, and it is fantastic. Moving on, everybody's filming back-to-back films these days. Harry Potter did it. Twilight did it. Now the LA Times is reporting that the Fast and Furious franchise will be doing it with a sixth and seventh film, with one single story between them. The films are being written by Chris Morgan, who wrote the third and fifth entries in the franchise. Justin Lin is directing. The sixth film is already underway with a release date of May 24th, 2013. So that's what we're getting. Fast and Furious 5 and, well, Fast and Furious 6 and 7. So seven movies, guys. Of Fast and Furious. How many car chases can we cram into two films? We're going to find out. Frank Miller shared some nuggets about Sin City 2. Miller has confirmed that Nancy Callahan and Marv will be returning in the sequel. Here's what he had to say. Sin City number 2 is primarily an adaptation of A Dame to Kill For. It also features the, stor- the short story Just Another Saturday Night and two new stories. One involving Nancy Callahan that I came up with for the movie and one with Marv. I love Sin City. It's one of my favorite films. I I never get tired of watching it. So well done. So artistically flawless. Um, Will a second movie be as successful? I don't know. I think it's hard to get those R-rated comic films to stick because you're you're getting that, you know, you're you're alienating that younger audience. But sometimes grown-ups need comic flicks, man. Kick-Ass was one of them, which was really good. And Sin City was another that was really good. Hey, We need our own R-rated flicks, man, especially if it's violent superheroes. We need that shit. Can't all be PG-13 watered-down garbage, which is meant for getting money. Sometimes we need the the R-rating and and the the frame-by-frame recreation of a medium that we love. And Sin City did a good job with that. Let's talk box office totals. Paranormal Activity murdered the competition, no pun intended, $54 million dollars. That's substantially better than Paranormal Activity 2, which did $40 million. The film averaged $16,266 in 3,321 theaters. That's in addition to $26 million that it made overseas, so that amounts to $80 million worldwide on a $5 million budget, making it yet another super successful entry. Real Steel was number two. Footloose was number three. The Three Musketeers was number four. George Clooney's Ides of March was 5, Dolphin Tail was 6, Moneyball was 7, Johnny English was 8, The Thing dropped to number 9, and 50-50 was 10. So that's what you can expect there. 
Of course, it's a no-brainer that we will be getting another Paranormal Activity. A sequel is definitely on the way. Uh, Paramount's head of domestic, domestic distribution, Don Harris, said, I can't imagine that we wouldn't make a number four. And I imagine Paramount's president, Adam Goodman, this morning is thinking about the challenge. I'm sure he's thinking, now what do I do? Of course, man. It's going to be like fucking Saw. And it's going to wear out just as quick. Here's some news for those of you that are looking forward to The Dark Knight. If you go to see Mission Impossible in IMAX this December, you are going to get a six-minute prologue for The Dark Knight Rises. Chris Nolan did this also in 2007 with I Am Legend. The Dark Knight will be available in theaters July 20th, 2012. So if you want to see a six-minute prologue, you got to hit up Mission Impossible's Ghost Protocol this December. Nice way to build a buzz. Props to Chris Nolan for that. I, I'm going to go see Mission Impossible, so that's just going to give me more of an incentive to go and see it. Walking Dead has been renewed for a third season. Season 2 continues to deliver the strongest ratings in dra- for any drama in basic cable history in adults 18 to 49. So we shall get a third season of The Walking Dead on AMC. Congrats to Robert Kirkman and those guys. Always awesome. Walking Dead and seeing it for a third season, we'll see if they can continue that strong ratings bonanza that has been happening for the past two seasons. I think that shows like American Horror Story are stepping their game up and are proving are they're proving that horror has a place in television and people are really enjoying all of these shows. I really am enjoying American Horror Story and The Walking Dead is without question fantastic. Slick might get a kick out of this. Summit Entertainment has announced that they are doing a sequel to Red. Of course, aptly titled Red 2. The sequel will be hitting the big screen August 2nd, 2012. For those of you not familiar, Red was based on a comic book from, I believe it was DC, which is about a team of retired CIA operatives that use their old school style to take on new enemies across Europe. All of the original cast will be returning. Bruce Willis, Morgan Friedman, John Malkovich, and Helen Mirren. The first film made $199 million worldwide, so you can expect a second Red, hopefully to be as popular. I watched the first one. I did enjoy it. I found it to be a a departure from other stuff. But sequel? (sighs) Not so much. But you know... It wouldn't be a show without some what-the-fuck movie news. And that, my friends, is a sequel to Dumb and Dumber. I kid you not. Not a prequel, but a sequel. The screenwriters have been hired, Sean Anders and John Morris, who did Sex Drive and I Hate You, Dad. Jim Carrey said this past June that he was contemplating returning to some old characters, including Bruce Almighty and Dumb and Dumber, so we may be seeing a reunion of Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. The Farrelly brothers who directed the original want to make it their follow-up to the Three Stooges, which is what's currently being worked on. I put the Three Stooges picture on the Facebook fan page if you want to check them out, but we may see the return of Carrie and Jeff Daniels as Dumb and Dumber. I'm sure many of you are super pumped to go see that shit. Why can't they just leave things alone? Why? I think that in this particular instance... They they really deserve one of my favorite sound effects making its return, and that would be this. Boo! Thank you, Slick, for helping us out with that. Yeah, I'm getting the hang of the of the soundboard, guys. So 
We'll be hearing <laughs> we'll be hearing a lot more of that stuff. James McAvoy has recently come on record to confirm that he will be resuming his role as Professor X in a sequel to X-Men First Class. He said that he would be up for it and he's contractually contractually obligated to do it because he signed a multiple picture deal. So James McAvoy will be in a sequel to X-Men First Class as Professor X. And it would only be fair to close out with two fantastically opposite pieces of news. First off, in a in a in a second what the fuck movie news story, New York Magazine is reporting that Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin are putting the finishing touches on a pair of screenplays for Independence Day 2 and 3, which will be ready for 20th Century Fox to review in early to mid-December. The back-to-back films, according to the source, are written to work as standalone movies, but for, but they will be threaded together in a single narrative. They're intending on doing the movie separate, but all within the same timeline. So you can enjoy each movie separately. As of right now, it's unsure if Will Smith will return, because he is asking for roughly $50 million. In addition to that, Roland Emmerich's salary demands are making it difficult for Fox to budget two sequels. An insider went on to say the delay wasn't about whether they wanted both or wanted to make the movie. It was about whose dick is bigger. I kid you not. That's exactly what the insider said. Fox claims that they're willing to go ahead with the sequels with or without Smith, and they also say that Bill Pullman is ready to reprise his role as Thomas Whitmore. Of course he is. What the fuck is Bill Pullman doing? What is he doing? That he can't come out there and give us another awesome Independence Day speech. Because I tell you, if, if you play that Bill Pullman speech before any soldiers go off to war... I guarantee you we will go to a country and kill everything and come back celebrating and no one will die. Because that's the type of of power that speech had. Can that same magic be captured in a second and third film without Welcome to Earth being involved? Who knows? But um, Will Smith wants $50 million for fucking Independence Day. Fuck out of here with that, man. You're making Men in Black already. You might as well do Independence Day while you're at it. Ah, gotta love Hollywood, my friends. You gotta love it. To close things out, you guys, especially, I know Slick and a couple of other guys are are huge fans of this actor, so with great joy, I share this with you. Samuel L. Jackson has been named the highest grossing actor of all time. He's made $7.4 billion over his entire career. He's appeared in over 100 films, he averages three to four films a year. He filmed six movies in 2010, four in 2011, and he has three lined up for 2012. Samuel L. Jackson said, I grew up in a working class family. When I was a kid, all the adults in my house got up and went to work every day. I assume that's what grown people do. That's what I do. I just happen to have a very interesting job that's kind of cool. Way to go. Kudos to Sam Jackson. Mm-mm, bitch! Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> oh man, with the amount of venom I unleashed earlier, I am I am very glad to to close out with that. Sam Jackson is a is a talented actor, and um, it needed to be shared. So kudos to you, Sam Jackson. Kudos to you. All right, that's gonna wrap up the show for this week. 
Simple as that. Next week, we will probably be talking to a couple of different people because we have a Beyond the Mic scheduled, and we may have a guest this week. I think that I've got enough episodes under my belt that I got a little bit of a mojo going. I haven't actually slept in the last two days, so if I'm running on fumes and sound a little off, that would be why. Hopefully we can rectify that and I can get back on a normal, somewhat normal sleeping schedule, but I'm not going to bore you guys with that mundane real shit. Um, I like that uh, Slick is saying I need to open the show next week with that. Maybe we'll open the show with... Mm-mm, bitch. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll do that. The shark ate me. Drink. Nah, let me let me stop. If I start going in, you guys always get me on the Sam Jackson fucking train and I don't get off and people just lose their shit. <laughs> I can't I can't do it. All right. You just heard My Take Radio episode 113 for Thursday, October 27th, 2011. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode, you can email me on mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow us there at mytakeradio. You can follow my personal account, twitter.com forward slash rich underscore mtr. If you're on MySpace, we're there as well, mytakeradio. If you're on Facebook and would like to become a legit fan that actually supports the show when we need them to, Facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. If you got any questions about comics, movies, or just any other regular old shit, you can look us up on Formspring, formspring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. You can listen to MTR on our apps, available at iTunes and Android. Wow, that, I fucked up that sentence completely. Let's try that again. You can listen to MyTakeRadio on the MTR app, available on Android and iTunes. You can get that at the Amazon Marketplace as well. You can also listen to MTR on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and the Zune Marketplace, and Blueberry as well. We can all, you can also find us on BlackBerry Podcast for BlackBerry devices, and all the usual podcast aggregating websites. That should be it. If you want to get a $100 gift card from Stitcher, stitcher.com forward slash mytake, enter mytake in the promo code, and you'll be eligible to win a $100 gift card courtesy of My Take Radio. Once we wrap up the Brawling for Boobies, the last event will be tomorrow, and that's going to be Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition and Street Fighter 3 Third Strike Online. Those are going to be the two games. Game time is 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, and we will be playing until probably midnight, so... If you guys want to check that out, it's a $5 donation. You can go to the web, you can go to mytakeradio.com for the donation link. 5 bucks to play and you can donate if you're not interested in playing just as well. The page will remain active until October 31st. All right. I think we're good. Taking us out this week, I think we are going to go I'm thinking uh spitting narcissism for Vega from the OC Remix Street Fighter Turbo HD soundtrack. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you guys that genuinely give a shit about the show for donating. Thank of you think oh, wow. Thank you all for doing your best to help us KO breast cancer. See you guys next week. I'm rich, yeah. <laughs>